I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect all the possibilities I expect positive energy I expect with no regrets I visualize it all, know what's coming, yeah I'm synergy, I reach every dream and love my enemies Everything here is a lesson, everything that comes to me counts as a blessing no. Good day, good day, I'm Jay and this is Homeschool Your Kids Podcast I am here again with another beautiful guest Jessica, introduce yourself Hi, my name is Jessica. Um, I am the founder of The Mindful Mentor, and um, this it's my business that I started where I teach homeschool math classes for grades three through eight, um, both in person and online. And um, I started The Mindful Mentor because I was um, a middle and high school math teacher for like 10 years, and teaching has always been my dream since I was a little kid. And I was so excited to get to be a teacher and I got into the classroom and loved it for a while until I started to notice all of the things that I was seeing were wrong with the education system <laughs> and the ways that they just were not helping kids and were actually hurting them a lot more than helping. And um, I just could not let myself be a part of that system anymore. And because I did, I love teaching and the whole reason is I wanted to help kids. And so I just felt so awful being a part of this system that was making them feel so awful and that wasn't really helping them learn and so after 10 years of that I was like I can't do this anymore but I still really want to teach so I uh, got out of the classroom started my own classes started writing my own lessons and curriculum and everything and um, now I teach my group classes but then I also do some private math tutoring as well for homeschool students and public school students Um, so yeah I'm still getting to teach math like I want to but just in a way that makes me happy and that I can see helps students more than being in the classroom did. Yes, ma'am. You said a mouthful. You said <laughs> yeah, a mouthful. <laughs> no, you right on time. I love it. Um and that's why I was looking forward to this conversation. I told you because your your presentation at the expo was everything like oh my god I was like hey yeah 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 you heard this like you even have parents yes <laughs> that was so dope but just in relation to like I relate to so much of what you say because you know I wanted to be a teacher from fifth grade on up and it was just like oh, I'm gonna get in my classroom and I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and then mm-hmm. like you said liked it for a while then it's like reality really hits you like yo this right (laughs) right (laughs) this isn't like what I thought it would like you know you see the overall effect of and then you did the middle and high school I did middle and high school so Mm -hmm. it's just I I feel everything you're saying and I really really love um I love I loved your presentation (laughs) I loved your presentation but I also love the resource that you put you created because me um being a former English teacher math is not mm-hmm. my forte and I always joke that you know me and the girls probably got maybe another year or two before it's like y'all might have to outsource okay because y'all not gonna go too far messing around with me <laughs> <laughs> um 
So I love that you have created um, a resource for families to be able to utilize and understand once again that this isn't something you have to do alone. Um, And there are many, many people who are like, hey, tag me in. I got you. (laughs) So I love that. Why mindful mentor? Because mindfulness is a thing for me. I like like the name and everything. Why mindful mentor? Well, um, it's not as good of a story as I wish it was. Um, (laughs) Honestly, so originally when I got out of teaching, I thought I maybe wanted to be like a life coach for teens Mm. because like I said, I saw just like being in the classroom with them. I saw like how anxious and stressed and just like how much of a hard time teenagers were having. And I was like, maybe I want to help them with that. And I'm really big on mindfulness. And like I did yoga teacher training and everything, thought I maybe wanted to be a yoga teacher for a little while and things like that. So I'm big on mindfulness and those kinds of things. And I thought maybe being a life coach for teens would be cool. And I, um, so I started, you know, doing some training and thinking I was going to go that direction. And that's when I picked the name Mindful Mentor. Um, But then I just kept, like I love math, which I know sounds weird <laughs> to a lot of people. <laughs> so I kept being drawn back to like helping people with math and I'd get questions or I'd get, you know, people ask me all the time, like, can you tutor me? Can you help me? And I was like, actually, that's really where my heart is. As much as I would love to help kids with, with the like mindfulness side, I just kept coming back to math. So, but I kept the name because I was like, I feel like it still works mindful mentor. Yeah. Cause yeah. I still like being a, a mentor, but then also if you noticed, it is not spelled correctly. It's mindful with two L's. And that's only because somebody already had it spelled the right way. (laughs) But then I was like, well, if it's like mindful, like I'm teaching. So I'm like, kids, I was like, it could still work. So that's, that's the story. It's not, it's not the story. I wish that it was, but (laughs) that's where it came from. No, no. And that's, that's awesome, though, because mm-hmm. I, I love the inspiration behind it, because I mm-hmm. also witness a lot of kids who definitely, mm-hmm. definitely needed um, some coaching, not just yeah. teaching as far as oh, subjects and academics go. We right. come across a lot of kids who are like, no, nah, you need to talk to this or you need somebody mm-hmm. to push you. Like I'm sitting out, um, you know, encouraging words this morning to one of my nephews is going through a tough period. It's mm-hmm. just a lot of people don't know how to get to that place of believing in themselves. And I Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of that comes with the school system because of Mm -hmm. all of the labels and, you know, disabilities that are placed on kids at such a young age, it just gets set in stone um, that that's where they're at. Like, you know, it's like, oh, oh, because I don't learn this way, something's wrong with me. And it's like, it's not even about that because you can learn. It's just, you have, we have to get you, like reach you where you're at. And school right. doesn't allow for that. And so that's, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I felt a lot of my students needed a coach too. Um, <laughs> definitely a coach. So I can see where you went with that. Um, uh-huh. How long have you been doing the mindful mentoring? Um, so I left the classroom June of 2021. And then that's pretty much when I started. Um, I didn't start my homeschool classes, like my group classes until I think... It was like November or December of 2021, I think. Yeah. So like when I left the classroom in June, I fe- I thought I was just going to do like private math tutoring. And so that's what I started doing for the, for a few months. And then um, it was, I met, we moved in that summer. And then I met my neighbor in our new neighborhood who was homeschooling her four kids. And she 
um, was like, you know what a lot of homeschool parents need help with is math. She's like, you should help them. And that's when I was like, oh, I never thought about like getting into the homeschool space really I figured I would just tutor like uh, public school students like after after they were done with school but then all of my students were like in the evening and that's my husband would be at work all day and I'd be home by myself and then as soon as he'd get home that's when I'd start with my students and so our schedules were like opposite and she was like if you help out homeschool students you could do that during the day and then be done when your husband's done and then you guys can have time I was like oh my gosh that's perfect And so, and then I was like, well, maybe I'll start some group classes if there's like a big enough community nearby, which she was like, there is definitely a big enough homeschool community around here. So she was the one who like gave me that idea and kind of pushed me in that direction and helped me get introduced to different co-ops and groups and stuff around here. Um, And so, yeah, now I think it's, what's been probably close to two years, I guess, that I've been doing like a year and a half that I've been doing the classes. And it's been awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And look how things just align. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of stepping out of the classroom. What what got you out? Because what got you out? How did you how did how did that exit happen? Well, I think I got super lucky. So my husband and I were both teachers um in San Diego, and both of us had were feeling the same way of just like I don't want to be a part of this anymore, but we still wanted to teach, but just couldn't be in the system. So both of us were like looking for whatever jobs we could find. We literally were applying to anything in any state. And so, Mm. and we were just like, get us out, please. Especially because that was summer of 2021 that we did that. And that was, you know, after the year of COVID, just that kind of was like last straw. Both of us were already starting to get a little, you know, unhappy with the system. And then that just made it very obvious that the system was very broken and so we were like no let's go and so um both of us were applying to stuff he ended up getting a job at a university here in North Carolina and um but not as like a professor so he's their makerspace manager um which is awesome for him because he still gets to work with students and do because he he taught robotics in high school uh before and so he loves teaching robotics and working with kids but same with me he's like I don't want to be in the public school system but I want to still get to do that so now he gets to work with college age students in the makerspace and doing projects and all the stuff he loves but he's not like a teacher and with all the reasons we wanted to get out of teaching and so that's what brought us here to North Carolina and then um I mean the difference from San Diego to North Carolina at least cost of living wise is the only way that I was able to like not have to go back into the classroom and I was able to start my own company like if we'd stayed in San Diego I don't think we could have afforded for me to not also be in the classroom or something like that and so that his that move is what gave me the opportunity to to have a chance to actually uh, not go back in and start my own company and then it's it's grown from there so I, yeah, that, that one, that one move is what made the whole thing possible. I would say. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, cool. I think we ended probably around the same time. I believe that's when I stepped out too. It was in 2021, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I know it was in 2020, so it happened in 2021. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a hard, it was a hard little like, ah, like, you know, it's like you you want to help everyone there. You really mm-hmm. do. And I see those kids, like they're my babies and everything. Yeah. So it's just like, it, it's a hard, it's hard when your heart is there. It really, right. really is. Um, so let's jump right into um, some of what you talked about at the expo. <laughs> what are some of the issues you see within the classroom? 
or um, within the public school system in general? Yeah, um, well, a lot of the, a lot of the like individual issues that I do see in the public school system have to do with class size. Like class size is the thing that causes so many of the other issues. Mm. And like, I mean, cause a lot of the issues, you know are having to go too fast or too slow for certain kids, you know not being able to go the speed that each student needs. And when you've got a class, like I, there was one year I had 46 kids in my class and we didn't even have enough 46 like, kids. Yeah, kids were sitting, we didn't have enough desks, they were sitting on the counters in the back, like it was, I'm like, and I'm supposed to teach them all calculus right now, are you, what? <laughs> you 46, I know that was illegal. Uh, well, yeah, I don't even, especially if they didn't have desks for them, like, I don't think we were supposed to have that many people in one room. But... Now you can't do that, <laughs> like, I, I mean, forgot, was... like, you yeah. know, because ours, like, they have a cap on the overall students you're supposed to carry, at least in Virginia, they did, like, they mm -hmm. had a number, and I was over that number, and they, they, one year, they paid me for being over that number, mm -hmm. Um, I think I had, like, 141, you're not supposed to have more than 130 or something like that, uh -huh. but, 46 kids I couldn't imagine what that looks like in a like I couldn't imagine <laughs> how does 46 how do you, your classroom management must have been a one oh it was it was chaos for sure luckily it was you know like they were like it was like juniors seniors they were older if it was okay. like 46 like seventh graders that would have been out of control but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm overwhelmed just thinking about it like I know. no I know yeah I mean that was that was like it wasn't 46 in every single class every year but yeah. still it was like you know 30 even 30 to 35 kids is a lot to try and get to their you know like meet them where they're at you you literally just can't in mm -hmm. and then at the high school level you know you have them like an hour at a time so you've got to get the whole lesson done in an hour and do that for 35 to 45 kids and you just literally can't meet each one of their needs and you know you know like that the thing they encourage us to do is differentiate and we try our best we try to differentiate for as many kids as we can but you cannot plan 35 different lessons every single day and that's oh, what man. they would need if you really want to meet them at their like where they're at and so yeah. so like that is one of the problems I see is not is like having to make kids either go faster than they are prepared to or you're going slower than some of the kids. Like they're like, okay, I get it. Let's move on. And you're like, sorry, I have to slow it down a little. Stay here. <laughs> they're like, I want to learn more. And you're like, nope, you can't. Read a book. Read a book yeah. or something. Okay. Like here's some more problems for you to do. You know, like that's like the most you can really do. And they're just like, okay, now this is busy work. Thank you. Yeah. And so like they hate learning now because you're making them wait. <laughs> and then the other kids who are you who are like, you're going too fast. They hate learning too because they're like, now this is just confusing. So just that, like not being able to go at everyone's speed and meet them where they're at is a huge issue. And it makes them just hate learning. And um, I mean, like I said, that's mostly caused by class size. You can't go the speed you need to go for everyone when there's 35 kids. And so like in my classes I teach now, I cap it at 10 and we, we've only had 10 in like one or two of the classes. So majority of the time it's like five or six. And I'm like, that nice. size is so nice. You can stop and make sure everyone's where they're at. You can answer questions. Like when you're in a class of 40 kids and you have a question, you not you might not even want to raise your hand because now yeah, everyone's going to say, and that's less pressure. Like, you know, exactly. as far as the students go, they don't, you know, they're less embarrassed or less like, you right. know, like concerned about 
the peers because there's only about four other ones compared to 30 other eyes looking at you like oh you don't know that (laughs) you know that's a lot exactly 100 percent so so that's that is one of the big things is the not being able to meet every kid because there's too many uh kids in each class another issue that I that drove me nuts was the amount of testing in public school Mm whether it's the testing that the school district is requiring you to do, um, or just the fact that like, you're, you know, you're supposed to give them a te- at least a test at the end of every unit. And a lot of times you're supposed to give them one or two quizzes in the middle of every unit to make sure. And it's, it's only, it's just because the school needs data and they need to be able to see. Um, it's, that's like the only reason that they make you give tests. And the tests are supposed to be um, like, showing what the students know, but so much of the time it is not an accurate representation of what they know because they were stressed and studying for three tests last night and they had to stay up all night. And so now they're dead tired and they came in to take it and they would have done fine if you if they had, you know, gotten a good night's sleep and everything, but because they just had that one test as opposed to three other ones. You know, yeah. Yeah. Or like and I think I mentioned at the expo, like I had kids where they would like bomb a test. And then the next day, if I had just like sat next and been like, can you show me how to do this problem? They would be able to do it just fine. And I'm like, so clearly you do know it. This test is not showing how well you know it. Or I mean, I've, like I said, I still work with public school students and I talk to them and, you know, they'll tell me like, I meet most of my students I that I tutor, I meet with once a week and they'll be like, oh, I have a, a test we have to study for. And I'm like, didn't you just have one last week they're like yeah we have another one I'm just like why do you have so many tests and so they're just constantly studying and then a lot of times when they're studying they're not actually studying to learn the material they're studying to get the points on the test tomorrow and then they're going to forget it and so yeah a lot I mean (laughs) well when you're learning seven out of seven topics subjects at a time and then you've got a million tests you're like I don't have time to to try and understand all this I just barely have time to know it put it on a paper and move on and so so either kids are like studying their butts off and trying really hard and their grades are not actually accurately showing what they know or they're not really trying hard they're barely putting it down and not really learning it so either way tests aren't really showing what they know all it's doing is stressing kids out taking so much of their time, giving them anxiety. And then if they don't get the score that they wanted, it's hurting their self-esteem. Now they're like, well, I guess I'm dumb. I studied all night. That didn't help. Like I still got a D. So why am I going to keep trying? And I, I've yeah. seen so many kids be that way. They're like, well, I guess I just am bad at math. And I'm like, no, 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 please don't. <laughs> don't go down that road. Like, right? yeah, she <laughs> like said, don't so go down that road. Yeah, no, I'm like, yeah. I'm accepting it. But no, I just thinking about back in time of Scantrons, um, I was a poor test taker. I really was. And that's why I just, I feel for students with tests because of, because I know of how anxious and everything I felt. And then just during the time of Scantrons where you mess around and skip one row, your whole Scantron is off and it's like, yo. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> this is not wild. Yes, it's not. But even with just, it took me forever to pass. No, I won't say forever. That's an exaggeration. But it definitely <laughs> took me, I think, at least three times to pass the practice two, which was centered on my focus, which was English that I had spent all that time in college learning about all these novels and things that is like, why do I have to know this part? But I guess I need to memorize these um, 
American novel, you know, like things of that nature. But it's just like, I did poorly on that. Like I've never been a, a strong test taker in my, unless it was an essay, unless it was something I had to write out and say, like prove my point that way, I'm, I'm, I can do that. Um, yeah. But I just, I felt for the students, especially AP students who are, you know, taking the college, um, college yeah. credit classes very mm -hmm. very overwhelmed very overwhelmed mm -hmm. already from the pressures yes so overwhelmed yeah. from the pressures in general of keeping up with the the workload in the class itself and yeah. then to like you said have three and four tests in one day like how like why is that okay it's insane well because I taught I taught AP calc for a couple years mm. um and the most students who take an AP class they don't take an AP class they take four no. or five AP yeah. classes so they've got like hours and hours of homework from each class and tons of tests and then they take all of the AP tests in May so like if they're taking four or five AP classes they're studying for four or five college level AP tests at a time and it's just literally eating them up inside the, the yeah. stress and the they get no sleep and it's just it's out of control I it broke my heart to see these children at like 16 years old just already like as stressed out like they have some the corporate job <laughs> I tell you, they're coming there with their coffee and stuff, yes. looking all like, like, like damn, okay? yeah, it's like, yo, what's going on? You look like you're working a nine to five, you yes. stressed, bent out of shape, like just with your Starbucks on the desk, looking like, yo, oh, well, I barely open. Yeah. And then if they try and they play sports, that's hours a day after. And then, and then they got to go do their sports and then also get all that homework. Oh my God. It just, I'm like, when do you get to have a life? When do you get to be a kid? When do you when be do you? you? Yes. yes. When it's do you get so to be you? It yeah. really is. It's sad. <laughs> it's like, you know, when you say it out loud and people actually put it into retrospect, like, oh no, that's not right. That's not right. right. Um, right. and being in there and actually seeing, like I, I tell people all the time, my seniors were so depressed. Like my oh, last gosh. year teaching, that was my like, oh yeah, no, I can't do this much longer because mm -hmm. of how like their energy like you know you're trying to be upbeat you're trying to keep them in a good place but it's like all of them are just down it's like yo this is your last year of high school like right you would think that everyone be excited talking about graduation plans post-graduation mm -hmm. plans what they plan to do but a lot of them didn't have direction a lot of them didn't know what they were going to do because right. like all their time had been spent just talking about grades and tests <laughs> and so now when it goes mm -hmm. to all right well what does this look like after all of this? Now that I've passed all your tests, now what? And <laughs> yeah, like There's that's the sad little... part. Yeah. Very much so. Very much lost. Um, very much lost. That's why I could definitely see why you were like, yeah, these kids need some coaching. Like, I need to... <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Well, and it's just, yeah, like. Um, I, I remember, I think it was one of the years I was teaching like juniors and I tried, I, I literally stayed after work, like till like 7 PM for a whole week, mm. creating this awesome lesson that I was so excited. I was going to get them up and moving. They were going to love it. At least. So I thought, and then I give it to them. I'm explaining it to them. I literally had a girl raise her hand and be like, can you just give us a worksheet? I don't want to do all this. I was just like, I just spent a week planning this thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> And 
that's because that's what they've been just like trained. There's like, give me a worksheet. I'll fill it in and we'll move on. Like they don't care. They're not trying to, you know, they've lost their love of learning. Whereas if I had done that for like younger kids, they would have been so excited because it hadn't, the learning hadn't been, or, you know, the love of learning hadn't been taken from them yet. But this junior was just like, oh, give me a worksheet. And I was so mad because I had spent so much time prepping this thing that was going to be so fun. Like, are we all excited? Oh, we like, this is about to be great. No. Hey, mm-hmm. hey. <laughs> um, can you just give me a worksheet? Because I like, I, I heard you. However, <laughs> um, so that's I'm too a, much work. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's like this all for one grade. <laughs> one grade. This is what we did for one grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, well, that's the um, other thing. I was like, how many points do I get for this? And I'm like, I was gonna so they, say, or they just the, give out points. Yes, or is, is this graded? Like, yes, don't let you my, try to give them something mm, that wasn't graded. Oh is this thing in the grade book and I'm like it doesn't matter if it is or not you are supposed to do it because it's going to help you learn but they don't care they if it if they hear it's not going in the grade book then they're done. not doing it yeah no they're not doing it or they're just going to just throw something up there and that did not put the pressure on the teacher because now you're trying to grade everything that you're giving them because you know yeah. they're not going to put effort to it if you don't right yeah, I mean, that's a, that's another thing about the, the issue with class size is like you know, I was a math teacher and I like to be able to give partial credit to show like, okay, you at least understood this, but I'll just take off the one point for this mistake. But, you know, like multiple choice, you can't do that. Like you said, scantrons, if you accidentally push, like, you know, fill in the wrong thing, but it doesn't really show what you know. And But when you've got 150 kids over your six or seven periods, I cannot be hand grading or it's going to take me a month to grade every test. And then by then I've got three more tests that I've given that I need to grade. So just like class size makes it impossible for me to accurately grade every single thing that they do. And so that's, that's another issue of the, with the grading, not being accurate and all that and having to do with class size being what caused that. So yes, ma'am. Think about essays. Oh my God. I was so glad I didn't have to grade essays. I was like, thank the Lord. I teach math. (laughs) Things like, you know, math, you do have, you're looking for the formula, things of that nature, but just think about having to read two to three pages essays. And I hear like the students talk about like their teacher gave them an eight page essay or something crazy like that. And I'm just thinking to myself as a former why would someone want to grade that? Like, how great is that? Then you get to college and you're getting all these, as I had, you know, being an English being my major, oh, the, the, the size of these papers, why would you want to read that? Why? I'm giving those type of assignments. I'm trying to grade all that. You got enough a one-page essay, let alone a four to five, six plus essay. Oh no, that is wild. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I was glad I didn't have to grade essays. That was something I was grateful for. But then by the time I was teaching like calculus, you can't just give a multiple choice calculus test. So it ended up being similar to essays where I had to read through every problem, look through all their words. And those, those tests always took me so long to grade. And the kids would come in, they took it third period. They come in after school, be like, do you have my test graded? I'm like, is that a joke? Are you, (laughs) because well, that, because that's all they care about is their grade. They have to know what they got. And yeah. so I'm like, you got to give me a minute. You're actually going to need to give me like a week or two. So can you just chill, please? Right. I used to have to tell them, remind them, you know, first of all, I have two kids. Okay. So understand that when I leave here, um, this isn't just 
all I can do. I have to, like, you know, feed my kids, maybe take them a bath <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, that's the things that I, I have to do as a parent. But they do not see that they see teachers as some robots. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and because they've been trained to just care about their grades. So they're not not thinking about like, oh yeah, she needs time. She has a life outside of this, any of that stuff. They're just like, I just need to know my grade. I don't care. Oh yeah. I reminded them of my life all the time. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the first couple of years that I was in, in my own class, it Mm -hmm. definitely, cause I, oh, I tell I used to start with, I started the, my first year in the classroom, I gave all my students journals. At this time, I only had probably like 70, probably a little over 70 on my roster or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is middle school though, this is seventh grade, but I would give them all journals and have them write daily. And then at the end of the week, I would collect all the journals and then I would write them back. Mm-hmm. All, oh all 70 plus of my students. Yes. <laughs> Did that last so, very long? <laughs> I think I may have made it probably the first semester before I had to start wow. saying, okay, I'm going to have to skim this stuff. Like, you know, because I was responding <laughs> back to their writing. So it was like a, it was a lot. It definitely was, but I wanted them to know that, you know, I cared about what they were experiencing, the things that they were writing and wanted them to know they weren't just doing something just because. So right. they, you know, they were really into it and they were looking for those writings too. But them, look, my write backs definitely, they got a little slimmer. Like it started <laughs> off here and it was like, Great job. <laughs> I'm glad you made it through this week. <laughs> well, <laughs> but too. like that's the thing. If you had smaller classes, you could yes. have the opportunity to write back to all of them. And it's just another another reason that class size is such a huge thing, but it's like impossible for the for the system to fix. That seems like that's the thing that needs the most fixing, and it's the hardest thing for them to fix. Because especially with the number of teachers that are leaving, class sizes, I'm sure, are even crazier now because they just don't, since they don't have enough teachers, they're just like, well, I guess we have to spread out all the kids we have over the teachers we have. And so they probably just have. And I don't know how your school was with getting subs, but a lot of times my school wouldn't even get subs. So we had to cover other classes. And sometimes that meant them splitting, uh, you know, a class and putting half half of the kids in your class and half of the kids in another class. So it's just (laughs) like... Yeah, no, the numbers definitely don't be going down. They definitely go up. <laughs> definitely well, and then go those up. kids, those kids that like that need to have subs and get a different sub every day and everything, are they learning very much when they're getting a new sub no. every they're not learning much at all? I mean, you know, some subs do try and, and teach the best that they can, but if they get to see these kids one day, there's not they can't really you know yeah. so people who are like oh they'll only learn if they're in public school I'm like well what about when they're having a new sub every single day you think that kid is learning anything no yeah <laughs> my my niece is uh she's six she'll be seven next month and I asked her how her, her school year was. Like, <laughs> yeah. my teacher was out a lot <laughs> my teacher was out a lot we had a sub a lot like like and this is a six-year-old expressing this you know like yeah. recognizing like yeah no my teacher wasn't there a lot so yeah you had a sub so but and for her to respond that be her response from yeah. me asking well how was school how was the school year and stuff and she, my teacher was out a lot <laughs> and that that matters it matters yeah right it affects especially that young in age like mm-hmm. they build a different connection with their teacher at that level because they have them for a longer the period of time yeah the whole day so mm-hmm. it's totally totally different so class size is 
class size definitely matters. I remember when I was appalled to learn that kindergarten teachers don't have two teachers in there anymore. Like oh a lot gosh. of these kindergarten teachers are one to 20 ratio. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, you got 25 year olds looking at you, asking you for help at the same time. Yeah, no, uh-huh. that's, that shouldn't be legal. Like there's a lot of things I, I say, I was, that shouldn't be legal. Right. There's a lot of things that should not be legal. And right. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, um, very um stressful on teachers' part. How mm-hmm. how was the meetings? Because we had a lot of meetings. <laughs> how, like meetings, how were meetings with parents? No, not even with parents, with faculty and staff meetings. We had data meetings, we had weekly um, team meetings, we had um, department meetings, Mm -hmm. you know, all those meetings. How was that in your, like, teaching in Cali? Because, look, that's all the way on the other side of the coast that I was on, so. Right, yeah. Is there a lot of pressures? Yeah, most definitely. And a lot of it is, like you said, data driven. And that's why they make us do all these tests and everything. And then they'll they'll look at data and um, use that to determine how well someone is doing, like how well a teacher is doing or whatever. And like we said, there's so many ways that these tests don't aren't actually showing what kids are knowing. So if you're basing how a teacher is doing off of kids test scores and they're over here stressed out, not doing well because they get test anxiety or because they were up all night or whatever. How is that supposed to be a good indicator of how well you're doing as a teacher? Which, I mean, I get that they need something to look at, but I just feel like the test number, the test scores are not what it should be that they are looking at. Um, And so, yeah, a lot, we'd have meetings all the time of like, oh, this score went down or we need to do better here. This, this grade isn't doing so well. This teacher isn't doing so well, whatever. And I, I just uh, can't believe that that's what we're judged on. No, you're you're absolutely right. Especially when it comes to the, just looking at data in general. And I used to, people are really big on data statistics, all that good stuff. And I'd be like, I I wouldn't like put too much energy into that stuff only because I was responsible for doing data at one point and I know what I did. So (laughs) wouldn't um, necessarily like, you know, really treat that as concrete anything. But also, like you said, there's so many factors that go into a test or factors that go into a student's performance on a test that that should not count for anything. Like these kids aren't where they're supposed to be when you get when they get to you in general. And then right. the fact that we're just testing them all the same way, regardless of however they receive information, mm-hmm. it's not right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, grading is a lot of times subjective anyways. Very like by subjective. <laughs> so even in, even in the same, and I mean, you would think math maybe isn't because you get the right or wrong answer, but like if like some teachers grade with partial credit and maybe this teacher is a little more lenient and they're like, oh, I'll give you more points for this. And this teacher's like, no, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. And so yes. you could have the same test graded by two different teachers and get completely different grades. And so I'm like, that, that data is skewed that data is not accurate very much so same thing with writing like very mm-hmm. very oh, yeah. uh subjective very much because i'll <laughs> read a story and if i just like the story right. in general okay. <laughs> like, yeah, this is great even though your grammar was terrible i huh? didn't use any periods half the time but this is a great story <laughs> um i'm well, really, even- oh, sorry 
No, I was going to um, say, I was really general with my grades. Um, yeah. I would give 175, look, 185, 75. They frowned upon you failing anyone. So the lowest I would give was like a 65 and that was the lowest um, D available. Like, yeah. you know, so everyone got between a 65 and 100, basically, four grades. Mm-hmm. Look, four, one of four grades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because that was the same. I remember at our school too, they like, there was, I don't remember what exactly the policy was, but it was something about like not being able to give a kid a zero. So I'm like, so you're telling me if they don't turn anything in, they still get a 50%. Like, I mean, I know 50% is still an F, but like overall, when you weight in all the other grades and everything that does have an effect. And so I'm like, that's going to affect what their end grade looks like. But if you got this kid who's choosing to not turn anything in, he's still going to have like a certain percent. It just didn't. Yes. And so that makes it made sense <laughs> can you give someone who turned in something a zero can you give them a failing like anything yeah. below a 50 yeah. if they turned in something while you're giving someone who didn't turn in anything a 50? that's why yeah. like that's why our grade started at a 65 because it's like i mean you did something you did it yeah. <laughs> you, like, you did it right but yeah well, and then the data when you do look at the data like a lot of times it, it was pretty bleak like you'd be like oh this only this small percent of people are at whatever level they're supposed to be at and I'm just like so when you see data like that how are these people who are like oh kids have to go to public school to learn I'm like well look at how the public school kids are doing they're not doing great either so like why do you think that's the only way for someone to learn and it's actually not the best way for most people to learn like some people thrive in public school some love it some do great and they should be able to do that but it shouldn't be the the automatic for everyone. That's why, like, I, you know, I talk about all the issues that, that there are with public school. That's not, that doesn't mean I should, I'm saying public school shouldn't exist and we shouldn't have it because I know some people need it and some like it and all that stuff. It should just be like one of the many options is yes. that's my, my whole yes. thing. Like it shouldn't be the default. It shouldn't be where everyone goes, whether they like it or not. It should be one of many. If you want to homeschool, do it. If you want to do a half, like a hybrid thing where they go a few days and are home, that should be an option. There should just be, you know, options for everyone to do what fits best for them because public right. school doesn't fit best for most. It does for some, but not most. Most. Yes. Yeah. And that's how I, that's, that's homeschool your kids. Like yeah. I'm, I'm very big on choices, very, mm-hmm. very much so. And I want parents to know you have a choice. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, oh, well, my child is four or five and it's time for them. Like when I think mm-hmm. of school, I automatically think, oh, I got to enroll them in the public school. I want right. to help change that narrative where parents are getting to the point where it's like, oh, shucks, it's time for them to technically be in school because of state laws whatever the case may be but let us look at our school choice because we have choices and you (laughs) have options Uh and so we can think about this micro school we can think about a charter school we can think about like you said the hybrid we can think Uh about homeschool we just there's so many choices where public school would just be a choice not necessarily a force or a standard or a default yes no none of that if that was the case, if it was one of the many options and people could choose a bunch of stuff, then that class size issue we're talking about where, cause like the high school oh, I taught down. at, we had, we had 3,500 kids at the high school I taught at. Mm. It's just like, was insane. It was huge. And just like, know what that looks like. It, it was crazy. Like passing period. They got five, five or six minutes to get to their next class. 
but that wasn't even enough time because trying to walk through the halls, you're all, you, you literally can't do it in that amount of time. Like I it was know. just crowded and crazy. But if it was like, that was one option where the students who wanted it could go, then it would be way, way, way smaller. And then all, a lot of these problems we're talking about with the public school system would go away because it would be so much smaller. And then it, public school wouldn't be <laughs> as awful as it is. You no, know. I, I agree. And that's what I feel like this is like the future of education, how people are saying like, you know, public school, I don't feel like public school will ever go anywhere per se, but I do feel like the numbers are going to get smaller within that mm-hmm. school system. And then maybe they will be able to afford that better option of, hey, having these smaller class loads, <laughs> but mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know because they, they be trying to cut costs everywhere. So they yeah. may keep it up, but we will hope yeah. it always wish and, and pray for the best um, in regards mm-hmm. to our future, which are the kids. Um, and that's why I mean so much, because like you said, public school doesn't work for most. It really mm-hmm. doesn't. Looking at the data, yeah, looking at that lovely data, it doesn't <laughs> work for most. It doesn't. And I, I feel bad for the kids who are excelling, who are doing well, because they're literally mm-hmm. just faded to the back. They're really not thought about for real. It's like, oh, well, are, we got our green and they're good. They are focused on that yellow who's intermediate, yeah. who we can get to where we need them to be. But mm-hmm. that red, oh, y'all just, hey. <laughs> well, and the whole, yeah, the whole thing has been, you know, no child left behind, but that red group ends up getting left falling behind. through cracks and left behind because we don't have the time or ability to slow down and help them out while also making sure everyone else is good. And that's why if anyone, if everyone had the choice, like, that red group could choose to be in some kind of school or program or homeschooling that will help them get caught up yeah and then the green group who's already ahead can be starting college early I know so many homeschool students who have college credits at 16 and get their associates by 18 and I'm I like, was going to say they're graduating with their associates in homeschool. Yeah. They're like, you know, they are definitely killing it in that regard. Yeah. I, the red students are the ones like, I don't know how, how the math looks when, you know, you get kids who come and they're so far behind because I can compare my reading level to when the kids were reach me 10th or 12th graders they would be on a third grade reading level, Jessica. Like they they were that far behind. So when kids reach you, especially teaching, you teaching calculus and stuff, girl, I don't even know what that looks like. I never went there. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, how were they reaching you? They So many of them. I mean, a lot of the calculus students were mostly where they needed to be. There were some who were still a little bit behind, but it's because AP calculus is, you have to like, it's a choice, you know, you sign up for that one. Oh, well, like, yeah. Cause that's, you know, since it's AP, like only the people who felt ready for it and wanted to go that route. So a lot of the students at that level were like pretty much where they needed to be. But I also taught algebra two, which was, I think algebra two was the highest, like the last math that you were required to take. And so I would have, yeah, right. Which is (laughs) a lot of, a lot of students take it as like a sophomore, I think often. And, um, so it's tech, it's typically a sophomore class, but I had plenty of seniors in there who were taking it for their third time because they're just like, uh, I, I just need this last one to graduate, you know? And it's because yeah. they were still at, at like a middle school level. Like they didn't, they couldn't add and subtract positive and negative numbers. How am I expecting them to solve a quadratic formula when they mm-hmm. can't do the basic kind of same thing? Like, you know, if they come to you with a third grade reading level, you can't be expecting them to read Moby Dick because they're just not there. 
And so I, it was, yeah, in those, those classes that weren't like AP level, I would get all the time, get students who were at a much, they were technically at a much lower level and I'm trying to get them to do stuff up here. And they're like, but I don't even know how to add positive and negative numbers. So I just feel so lost. And then that's, you've lost them. You know, they're like, well, I can't, I clearly can't do that stuff. So I'm just going to sit back here and let you do your thing. I'm not going to, I'm going to turn in whatever papers I can. I'm not going to study for the tests. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, that happened a lot, a lot. And so I taught, I taught high school for like five years. And when I saw how often there were kids that were just like, not where they needed to be, I was like, maybe I'll try middle school and see if I can like reach them a little bit. Oh, you went back. I did. And that was a bad idea. (laughs) I shouldn't have. (laughs) I was like, yeah, Yeah. Um, middle school is a, an interesting age. I will say, I'll just say that. (laughs) Um, oh my gosh yeah well because I was that was my whole thing though I was like maybe if I get them at like seventh grade I can help them learn the stuff they need and they'll be more prepared for high school but I would I got to my seventh graders who would still be at like a third grade level I'm like dang it so I have to start from the beginning <laughs> but I couldn't you know with my credential I can only I could only do you know middle school and high school I couldn't teach elementary but I, I wouldn't have gone there I, I, well, I was gonna say I wouldn't have wanted to do that <laughs> Originally, when, when I was a kid, I thought I wanted to teach elementary school because I like working with younger students. But then it was when I was in like high school and realized how much I like math. That's when I was like, "Ooh, I'm just going to teach math. Nah, um, and after being a math teacher, I was, I'm like, I don't know how elementary school teachers do that. Like how I had to plan my one hour lesson. I don't know how they plan six, seven hours like, of every subject every day. How I don't yeah. know how they do it. I always take my hat off to elementary school teachers. I will always say like they're the little angels that floated down and was like, hey, I'll do it. Don't worry. I got it. Let me go in here. Little Mary Poppins and whatnot. Yeah. My time of subbing and, and subbing in the elementary, I, I share that I I subbed for eight years, Jessica. And not mm-hmm. only went in elementary school, probably I can count it on one hand. Um, and I'm probably using too many fingers with the one hand. Probably about a good three, three or four times um, mm-hmm. did I go in in the period of eight years. Yeah. Um, because each time I left traumatized, it's just like, yeah. oh my gosh, why am I here? <laughs> this is wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these kids are very needy. <laughs> But then, I mean, I'm like, I guess homeschool parents could hear that and be like, yeah, but if I, if I homeschool, I'm going to have to do every subject every day. And is it yeah. going to be just as hard? And it's like, no, no, no. When you don't have a group of 25, five-year-olds that you're trying to deal with, and you don't have to do every subject every day, you could do science on Mondays and history on Tuesdays and like a little bit of reading and math each day and get stuff done in like a couple hours. So I just want to make sure any homeschool parents listening who are like, oh no, that means I'd have to do that. No, no, no. It's totally different. <laughs> very, very much different. Yes. Yeah. Because no, we barely do math, Jessica. We do we, we play Monopoly and things of that sort where and play the game of life. You know, we talk about money a lot and stuff like that and have them pay for things and right. all that. Um, they do ask for math problems when we're driving in the car. Um, we have started doing the like how have them count count by multiples um mm-hmm. by two three five mm-hmm. ten you know things of that nature so we do do some uh-huh. <laughs> we do something um right. however well, that's the thing. like that's probably that's all they really need at that point they don't need to be doing hours and hours every single day they just need a little bit here and there especially at the younger ages and 
that's, I mean, that's another issue I would say with the public school system is like they're the reason it is a seven hour day in public school is because of just like how many kids there are. You can't really be as flexible and, you know, like, oh, go do this, go do that for a little while when you've got that many kids. When when there's, especially like I was saying at my high school, then there's 3,500 kids. You need a lot of structure and like do this and this and this and walk this place at this time. Like it can't just be kind of free and and creative, but at when it's homeschool and it's, you know, just you and your one to four kids or whatever you have the flexibility they can it doesn't have to be quite so scheduled out and everything and so that's that's another issue that the amount just the amount of children makes it impossible (laughs) to do a lot of stuff no you're you're absolutely correct and that's what parents got to think on that that regard because school itself is filled with a lot of fluffers like it's like you said it's a lot of time that's spent Hey, your child's not learning anything. <laughs> like, they're probably not. I mean, they probably maybe learning something from their peers, but you know, academically, they're not learning um, for seven hours. Of course not. We know what that looks like in a classroom. You have an hour. I had an hour and fifteen with my students, and probably of the hour and fifteen, what I and that's the thing too, Jessica. Every faculty meeting, it seemed like they were telling us to teach them less and less. Like. <laughs> Your lecture time needs to be no more than 15 minutes. Like, you know, the rest should be, everything else should be. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to talk to him for about five minutes. (laughs) Let me just wrap it up. But that's the the attention span, too, of this this generation Mm -hmm. that's coming up. It's real, real, okay, get to the point because you've lost me and I'm looking at my phone underneath this Uh desk right now because I'm I'm not the worst. Those phones. Yes, throw me nuts. Uh, well, that's, and so that's the other thing too, like talking about your, if you're with them for an hour or an hour and 15 and they're, they're not, the lesson isn't a full hour and 15 minutes long. Be, part of it is because of the classroom management. When you got to manage 35 kids at one time and you have to like stop and tell this person to stop talking and you got to tell this person to put their phone away and you got to do this and that, that takes away from the learning time. But as a homeschool teacher, as a homeschool parent, you don't have that. So they can learn the like the hour lesson. They're probably learning 20, 30 minutes. And so at home, they just need the 20, 30 minutes and then they're done. We don't need all the, all the extra classroom management and this and that and like line up and put this away. And you know what I mean? Like now I say procedures and yes, yes. yes procedures. Mm-hmm. It really, it really, really does. It really, really does. Um, I yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I tell people all the time, I don't try to talk against the public school system because like you said earlier, like people do need that structure. There are a lot of kids that excel in that setting. Definitely, very, very much so they excel. However, yeah, no, it's not for everyone and we don't need it to be, hey, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we need parents that understand that it's okay if your child's not doing well in here. It's, it's okay. They can go and do well elsewhere. And if you feel like homeschool is something you want to try, understand that, you know, we got resources for you to excel and be the best you as far as your family goes. Right. Jessica has mindful mentors <laughs> and they have small classroom settings offering math and she talks about pre-calculus and, you know, me and my algebra too. 
Okay, so just how we definitely be hitting you up when the girls get of that age of they they need to excel at some things because I'm not doing that. I'm not. Um, and it's wild because you talk to parents and their child's like four and they're just like, well, I just can't teach them all this stuff. And it's like, well, ma'am, they're four right now. I wish you, you already jumped, you already jumped to pre-algebra and trick. You had pre-algebra and you had you there. But yeah, no, you got it. I promise you. And if you don't have it, you have someone to help you. Give me a right. minute, babe. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think a lot of a lot of the parents who, you know, a lot of parents assume public school is the only way to go because they feel like I can't teach all the things I need to teach. Or a lot of them are like, I, I talk to a lot of parents who are like, I want to homeschool so bad, but both of us have to work full time. We can't afford one income. And that because in their head, school has to happen eight to three. And if they can't be home yes. eight to three, but I'm like, well, you can work and then homeschool them before or after work or on the weekends or whatever. Like, and it doesn't have to be five days a week, seven hours a day. You can do a little bit here and there. And I promise you, they're still going to learn all the stuff they need to learn. So like, it can be worked around. It's just our, our society has burned into our brains that school has to be Monday through Friday, five, eight to three. And we can't, change up the time at all. And so then parents are like, oh, well, I guess I have to send them to public school because I'm at work at that time. It's like, no, you can homeschool them anytime, anywhere. It doesn't have to be at a desk. It could be on the road. Like you said, in the car, learning as you're driving somewhere, you could take them to classes and have someone teach them this subject here. Like so many options, but parents, I don't think are aware because we're just trained like five, five years old, they go to school until they're 18. And that's just how it goes. And like, doesn't yeah. have to be. <laughs> and that's why I started using the whole tagline of re- let's reimagine what learning looks like. Yes. Um, because it does take some de-schooling um, on parents' mm-hmm. behalf and students too, especially when you're removing your child from a structure that they've gotten used to also. So they'll mm-hmm. have questions too. Mine, mine adjusted just fine. <laughs> my Kennedy was, um, what I think she did kindergarten first, of course, preschool, whatever, but she's adjusted just fine to our, our way of, of learning. And it's definitely uh-huh. very, very freestyle. Um, we That's are the good. poster children for, yeah, we just be doing things over here. <laughs> <laughs> definitely no schedule, definitely no format. I tell parents quick, I don't do curriculums. I don't do lesson plans. I didn't do lesson plans when I was in the classroom. I definitely wasn't going to do them when I got home. So yeah, no, but um, de-schooling is necessary because that, like you said, it is, it's just programmed. You will, that is your way Mm -hmm. of thinking like now school needs to happen for this amount of hours. And that's why the first, one of the first things I can't teach my child for seven hours out the day. I will hope that you You don't have to. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're teaching them off. Yeah. Yes, you're teaching your kids <laughs> all day, every day, anyways. Like that's right. something else parents have to understand and really wholeheartedly grasp that everything that y'all are doing is the lesson, is is uh-huh. learning in some 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 facet they are learning because they're asking yeah. questions continuously. You're modeling for them continuously. Like the it's going in, it's regardless. Yeah, um <laughs> it's getting in there. It really is. You'd yeah. be surprised what these kids are able to grasp and understand at 
such a young age and mm-hmm. it's just open. And that's why I say we just have to reimagine what it looks like, what learning yes. actually looks like, because it's not a complete worksheet, read this textbook, <laughs> um, turn in this assignment. It doesn't have to be great associated. And a lot of parents are coming to understand that. And so I'm very, very happy of where I see the direction of the future of education going. And that's why I'm yeah. just happy that you know, people like you are able to provide parents with resources and help that will say, hey, <laughs> drop them off here for a little bit. Let, let them talk <laughs> on this for a little bit. And we, I doubt you, like, you know, yeah. this is something we got this. I'm, I want to be a part of your community and that's what you're offering community. So right. community yeah. and support. So give me three things you would like to leave homeschool parents with. Oh, um, well, I feel like a lot of the, I mean, like if I was going to just tell parents three, three things, a lot of them are kind of what we talked about is that, um, like you said, there are so many resources. So if you're worried that you're not going to be able to, to teach your kid everything they want or need to learn, it's not all on you. You, there are tons of resources, um, that can help you with that. Like things like, you know, classes, like what I offer in co-ops and groups and everything. And I also created a homeschool resource spreadsheet because I started to like research all the different resources out there and found out that there were just a jillion of them. And I was like, how am I going to keep track of all this for when I need it? You know? And so I put them all together into a spreadsheet. It's organized by category. Like if you're looking for science resources, you can just click on that tab and there's a ton in each one. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know if, if there's a way I could post a link to that for homeschool parents or anything, but, um, but yeah, one thing would for sure be that there are so many resources to help you with every question you could possibly have, or everything you would possibly want to teach about homeschooling. Um, a second would be like, like we were just talking about that your schedule does not have to look like school, that it probably is better if it does not look like <laughs> school, you know, like don't try and say 8am, we're going to do math and 9am, we're going to do science. And like, like you said, you don't really use much of a schedule. And I bet that actually helps a lot. The kids are able to learn what and when and how and where they want to. Um, so yeah, like you said, de-schooling and parents just realizing that school doesn't have to look like public school. Learning happens all the time in whatever way they need. Let's see, that was two of them. What's the third one? Um, I don't know, I'm having a hard time thinking of a third one. I guess also kind of like what we were talking about before um, that you, like working parents are also able to, mm. to homeschool and that it doesn't have to, it's not only for people who can afford to be on one income or people who are super rich and can buy all the tutors and the classes and the curriculum. It doesn't have to be that way. I know plenty of fa- families who are doing it on one income or where a parent is working part-time and then homeschooling the other part of the time, or they're both working full-time and they make their schedules work around it. Like it is totally possible for anyone who wants to homeschool to be able to do it. It doesn't have to cost a million dollars. There's lots of free resources too. So I guess that would be the third one is that doesn't, it's not only for this one group of people who can afford yeah, it. No. It's for everybody. Yeah. You know, single mother over here and we don't have a lot of money at all. Like not even like a, a percentage of a lot of money. Um, <laughs> not even, not even. 
So yes, um, I, thank you for that. Thank you, thank you. Um, and that's why I definitely like to be that, that representation. Not like to be, I don't want to be a single mother forever. I do want someone to <laughs> join this journey. However, I want people to understand that, yes, you can do it um, with the one small income. Um, it is about assessing wants versus needs and um, being a minimalist and things of that nature, but it's doable. It really, really is doable. And your spreadsheet, I would love if you could email me. And I feel like it's on your website too. It's accessible. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I will definitely put it when I um, put up your bio, your information, I can put it in um, that, that portion too. Okay. Awesome. So I, I love that, that you have created something like that too. Um, I will venture on that myself to update my app with some more resources and whatnot. I will definitely use that. But um, I have your resource available on the app under math, um, math oh, awesome. uh, curriculum mm-hmm. assessments. But I need to, I need to add you to another section too, my little get help section. Um, okay. And I'll work on but I'm, I'm very grateful for you. Um, like I say, your actual presentation was amazing, amazing. And <laughs> then we could you. definitely go on talking much, much longer about all of the <laughs> lovely, uh, not so good circumstances of no. the public school <laughs> system, but that's not what it's all about. We just want you to understand that what works for you works for you and Mm -hmm. you know your child better than anyone so if you see that they're not excelling or you they're not reaching their full potential in that classroom setting or that system that public school system understand that you have options that's what this is all about we want you to know that you have options that that is not the end all be all do Mm -hmm. like this is the way to success no. Right. Definitely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yes. Um believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. But remember that research goes a long way. So when you do decide that this is something that you want to do, just start researching. Start researching. Look at the things to think about the things that you feel like you're gonna have issues with or what you're worried about teaching and find your resource for it. Homeschool Your Kids app is a great place to start. Um, Mindful mm-hmm. Mentor has a wonderful spreadsheet that we're going to make available, but there's plenty, plenty, plenty of resources. So never think that you're on this journey alone. We are here for you. And I do do a community meetup every Monday on Zoom for homeschool families. So if you're ever needing um, a little worth of encouragement um, to get you through that, that next week, um, I'm there always. Mm-hmm. So yes, um, and also check out the expos. Um, mm-hmm. By the time um, this this is dropped, we'll be on wrap up this year, I think. But oh, okay. I, I we'll be excited about next year. Oh, and I need to talk to you after we finish recording too about next year. But yes, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, very excited. Um, but understand that you got this, parents. You you got yes. that, and I will continue to bring you resources that will help you thrive um, on your journey because mm-hmm. it is your home, your way. So, yes, yes. So where can they find you? Your information. Um, got social media. I know you got a website. What what links do they need to follow? Yeah, uh, my website is mindfulmentor.com. But like I said, mindful with two L's. <laughs> um, and on I'm on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Instagram is just mindful mentor with two L's, but then TikTok is mindful.mentor because I started a new account recently. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, okay. so they can find me on social media and my website's got all my information about my classes and the link to my spreadsheet and um, all kinds of stuff. I'm currently in the process of creating a math curriculum because I'm taking the, oh. the lessons the lessons that I've planned or that I've created for my group classes, I'm turning them into like a self-paced curriculum that parents, if they don't want, you know, to be, you have to sign in or go to this class a certain day each week, if they kind of just want it to be self-paced. So I'm working on that. It's going to take me a second to get it all put together, but hopefully that'll be available soon too. So I'm excited for that too. Nice, nice, beautiful. Yes. Cause that's all I need. Didn't see a little direction. Parents is needing like little reinforcements, like, you know, just let them know. All right, we, we good. So yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah. Keep doing all that you're doing. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you for your time and energy so and all that you provided to homeschool families. And, you know, tell the people, make sure they homeschool your kids. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Definitely.